break in the wall? The Challenge of Energy Communities. Interview with Virgin Birshish, episode 73. What does it take to build the energy transition? Usually the question is phrased like this. The energy transition is about deploying the right technology. But with this framing, we lose sight of the more important element in the energy transition. It is the people that build communities to support the new technologies, behaviors, and educate others. So these are the people creating the real energy transition. Welcome to the My Energy 2050 podcast, where we speak to the people building a clean energy system by 2050. I'm your host, Michael LaBelle. This week, we speak with Virgin Pirsic, resident, businessman, and local campaigner on the island of Kirk in Croatia. As you hear, Virgin is not a usual guest for this podcast, but then I don't know who is. All I can say is that Virgin joins the eclectic mix of interviewees who really have interesting stories. And as you'll hear, Virgin has really an interesting background and why and what led to his involvement into community activism that is now pushing for energy and nice energy community on the island of Kirk. So the overall story for today is how the island of Kirk is building a more sustainable ecosystem, moving from recycling to energy communities. And what they're doing there is really building a a more self-sustainable and self-sustaining island. And as you hear, Vision paints us a colorful and vivid picture of what growing up in Kirk and Yugoslavia under Tito was like how Pink Floyd, Rubik's Cube, and even visions of passive houses in 1980 set the stage for environmental campaigners. To block, there was this idea of a of Soviet and then a Russian plan to build an oil pipeline from Russia to the Adriatic. And Virgin was really a leader in this movement to stop that from happening. The interview is essentially divided into two parts. The first is about Virgin's background, upbringing, and early environmental activism. In the second half, we discuss energy democracy and energy communities. Before listening, it'll be helpful for you if I paint a picture of our meeting. At least I'll try a little bit. We met in his home on the island of Kirk on a rainy, cold December day. The island was relatively deserted in my opinion, although Virgin, as you hear, corrected me on this. But really, there wasn't too many people there. There was only a few cafes open but it was what you would expect in the Adriatic uh, in December. But it was beautiful to be there, and I'm really happy that Virgin opened up his home for this really in-depth and insightful conversation. For me, both Virgin's personality and his stories provide a greater context to the people making the energy transition happen. I interviewed him at the end of traveling, as, as you've heard from other podcast episodes, throughout Europe and a range of countries from Romania to Estonia, to uh, Finland, off to Poland. And really, these are the people that are building with their own hands, the buildings, like the physical houses, and the infrastructure necessary for a zero-carbon world world to happen. And their experiences are very important to listen to. So this is, like I mentioned, not a typical, say, policy-orientated podcast, but I really think it's from the ground up, and I really embraced and I really enjoyed my time with Virgin because he is reflecting what the ground level looks like in a country, in an island, in a country where there it's certainly ripe for renewable energy to be deployed, but there's a lot of political and social challenges at play. 
Certainly the Croatian government would probably object to some of his statements. I'll just put that there. But as a social scientist, we learn to listen to people and really take their opinions into account when we assess the policymaking process and assess how companies are operating and how does that feed into understanding what the energy transition is really about. And in the topic of energy communities, I think this ground level perspective is even more important to understand and to listen to than I would say maybe some policymakers that, that use the words like energy community or energy democracy. But what does that mean actually on the ground? So I've come away even more from these interviews. Some have been published so far. Others will be rolled out in January and February of next year. But I'm a sli- slightly pessimistic, <laughs> but maybe I won't go there too much because much can be made of the current high energy prices driving change. But from talking to people on the ground and seeing the changes in regulations and legislation, it really seems there's the political leads in certain companies, certainly not all companies. Companies are central for this energy transition, let me say that. But the entrenched and dominant companies really are pushing for and trying to maintain a strong, strongly centralized energy system with little investment into demand reduction like energy efficiency, smart energy systems, distributed generation. These are all kind of put to the side and this centralized system still seems to be the dominant mode of thinking. So the concept of energy communities still runs counter to how governments and I would say big companies see and want the energy transition to unfold, making Virgin point of view really important to listen to. And as he points out, giving him the power to produce his own electricity would make him a free man. We talk about energy democracy, and I really enjoyed this part of the conversation. And this is not what the politicians and companies want. I'll let you listen now, so I'll shut up. And you can judge for yourself the views expressed by Virgin and whether his experience is unique or a common occurrence. And before we move on for housekeeping notes, I just want to remind and kind of put a plug there for our Repowering Leadership in Energy and Food Summer School. We're hosting at Central European University. It's part of the Central European University Summer University Program. It's part of the Open Society University Network. And the applications are open until February 14th. So what I can say is if you like this episode, you should definitely apply because I think this is one of the key areas that we'll be talking about is energy communities, politics, geopolitics of the energy transition, and how this interacts also with food security as well. A final note, this interview was done for my current role as an Open Society University Network Senior Fellow at Chatham House, which I think by the time this is released, I'm no longer that. Um, funding was generously provided to produce the podcast, and I'm really happy and fortunate and grateful that the money was there because now I've got all these fantastic podcasts, which are very useful for research and for teaching purposes. So certainly the money will be living on and the output from this project will be living on and now I'll have time to write. So that's the most important. And now for this week's episode. My name is... uh Vjeran Piršić, I was born in Rijeka, um, 45 kilometers from here, and we moved to very this house when I was nine years old. Then I was went to primary school here, and I came back to the third class of the high school to Rijeka. And then at 1981, I went to study mathematics in Zagreb. 
after study I went a little bit to London, then I came back. We started with uh, business with the software, it was beginning of the capitalism in the former Yugoslavia. Then we had a war from 91 to 95. After war I went back to London and then I came back to live on the island uh, at 1999. And I lived very nice uh, until 2002 when Russian President Putin wanted to export Russian crude oil over the deep harbor in Omišalj. And the point is that a uh, group of us, six of us, established NGO Eco-Quarner because we thought that these things will be disaster for the Bay. And uh, we started to fight. Uh, and after four years of very heavy fight, we proved with environment impact assessment uh, that uh, they can't do this uh, project without destroying of uh, sea with ballast water. So, uh, after that, we didn't uh, use this popularity in the local community to go, uh, for example, to politics. We continue to work uh, in the sustainability projects, and one of the main part of this project is energy transition. Mm-hmm. But that's not all. The point is that uh, they started. We started uh, after the war, 1995, to think about future of the island, and there was uh, basically two options. One option, who was very popular, is to make a lot of urbanization, to make resorts, something what was done in coast of the Spain or uh, the best case exactly Montenegro. They destroyed the coast because of that. And um, another option is to be on sustainability wave, because in this time they had uh, we had conference in Rio 1992, and group of only few of us started to think about sustainability as a framework, as a paradigma. I very like this old Greek word paradigma. And uh, frankly, say in the beginning it was just four of us. And we used to meet each other once, twice per per week and continue to work. And after many discussion, maybe public debate, uh, many presentation, uh, majority of the people started to think about paradigma of sustainability. Uh, Only one municipality on the island of totally seven, they started to make devastation with urbanization with too many apartments uh, selling for the market. Uh, Okay, um, when they started to analyze us um, as a movement, I mean, the people from the pipeline company, as I told, it was 2002 and Project Druzhba Adria, they said that the reasons um, why we are so different and maybe so efficient is because uh, we uh, are product of the uh, punk rock movement in the end of 70s uh-huh. because uh, in the former uh, Yugoslavia the center of the punk was uh, uh, Rijeka and Maribor in Slovenia and also uh, the new wave which was very strong in the Zagreb in the beginning of the 80s so we was a little out of the box for the uh, people from PR company in the 80s now they are much more efficient people. I'm calling PR agency uh, machine to killing the truth. 
The machine to kill the truth? Yes, because truth, we have very uh -huh. efficient uh, PR agency. If you start campaign today, you have very serious enemy. This time PR agency was not so good. Not so efficient to, to blockade the civil society. Now they're extremely efficient. The peer agency? What, what's the public sorry. relationship? Oh, okay. Uh, of the companies? Yeah, there are, there are mm -hmm. companies. Uh, if you want to stop some kind of the movement, you rent a PR agency and uh, they freeze the citizen movement. Now they're very efficient. In this time, they wasn't so. In 2002 or earlier? Uh, in the 80s. 80s. In yes. 80s and 2002, uh -huh. and uh, now they are very efficient. Uh -huh. Another thing why we had success in all these things. I'm telling that from the sociology research, not from the something like public opinion or journalist opinion. Another reason uh, is uh, because um, this part of Croatia is influence of the many civilization. Can you stop it, yep, please? Yep. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. We can continue. <coughs> so, um, um, as I told you, the pipeline company they rent one sociological institute, Ivo Pilar in Zagreb to find uh, why we are so efficient in the public debate. And they told first because a group of us who are founders of the NGO, we are uh, the children of the punk and new wave revolution, if you can call it in this way. And in our uh, anthropological uh, matrix, uh, we are rebels. And uh, on the other side, this part of Croatia that is now for the energy transition, not for the fighting against the pipeline, um, it is um, a combination of the Mediterraneans, of course, because we are Mediterranean with strong influence of the uh, Latin civilization, not only Italian, even we had uh, Latin civilization ruins until the 20th century here. On the other side, we are Slavic people, and Slavic people is pretty different than another but we was under austria from 1527 until 1918 so we have german organization okay as a society basically we are good uh, balance between middle europe uh, slavic world and mediterranean and if you go to zagreb you have a lack of mediterranean if you go to split you have a lack of organization <laughs> you know, so this is just theoret theoretical point of view, but anyhow, it functions like this. So, generally, wait, wait, Vera, before we progress, yeah. I wanted to go back to the punk rock scene and that question and mm -hmm. how that it, because we have this. I, so, I wrote a book, it's called Energy Cultures, and it takes into account the other histories of different countries and how that influences mm -hmm. their energy systems. But my, my question, so I'm on a similar page as you on the, on the mm -hmm. historical ideas here, but my, my one question is about how this formation, because I think it's re very interesting, about the punk rock scene and then how that led to this environmental movement. Yeah, yeah, so I, I will tell you. Okay. So, um, as I told you, I came to this house, to this uh, place, uh, when I was uh, nine years old. And uh, it was the third class of the primary school. And I grew up here until I was 16 and went back to the third class of the high school in Rijeka. Because in this time in uh, education in Croatia, you had two classes of the general high school, then you had two classes of specialization. Mm -hmm. It was a reform of the school system in very this uh, decade. And the point is that... Uh, I was grow up here without bridge, 
without uh, television except one state channel and without internet. So I had books and I had uh, Pink Floyd music. Okay. Okay. And uh, once per uh, once per month or twice per month, I went to Rijeka by bus to see the very popular movie like uh, Star Wars and buy some records. Okay. Of course, we could play basketball. And this time, uh, this settlement was only 200 people. But then on the end of the 70s, they started to make petrochemical power plant. Mm-hmm. And about 70 families of the Dow chemical people with the kids came here. And I could start to speak English with the native speakers. And I could start to learn to play bridge, for example. Okay, cards. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, they made pipelines. So there was... Uh, uh, free big investment on the island on the, in the second part of the 70s. Uh, Dow Chemical, Petrochemical Plant. Uh, then we had a Pipeline and Bridge. Okay. And uh, Bridge was open on the very same day like Olympic Games in Moscow 1980. Oh. So it changed everything. And about... Uh, then I, I, I told you I went to the third class of the uh, high school in Rijeka. And then was this kind of the, what it, it is definitely punk movement, but I, I was never a member of the punk movement. I was still listening to music like uh, Pink Floyd. But the point is that um, kids, teenagers, started to become rebels. They think that they must change the world, that reality is something different. My personal change was more, more back to the Pink Floyd. In 1980, uh, it was very cold winter. I was sitting in this room, uh, and my parents went to the Germany to visit relatives and friends. And uh, the Pink Floyd made album The Wall. Mm-hmm. And I found that everything what they're teaching me in the school is not true. It's a fake. That the reality is something completely different. And then Rubik made the cube, and it was first time on all Yugoslav television uh, from Kubrick Odyssey in the Space, 2001. And uh, one magazine made a book about uh, photovolta- about solar houses, not only photovoltaic, and, but also passive uh, architecture. So this January 1980 was a revolution in my life, which still exists, because... I've been told by the Pink Floyd with the, uh, the Wall album that the reality is something completely different. I saw a Kubrick movie, I had a, a, a Rubik Cube, and I saw that uh, we have different points of energy. And when I came back uh, to continuously of the third class of the high school, I made a, a, a presentation of the photovoltaics to my class. I found in the National Geography a good article. No, it was a Newsweek, not National Geography. It's a special edition of the Newsweek about energy. It was after, yeah, the point, it was after a second oil crisis, uh, who was in, uh, because Iran, Khomeini, uh, February 1979, if you remember well, mm-hmm. uh, Iran had 20 produ- 20% of the world production and they produced nothing in the February 79 because Khomeini came and they stopped production of the oil and export oil. So yeah. basically I saw that the world is totally crazy, you know, the story with Khomeini. And um, yeah, we had to think about different future. 
Later, when the environmental movement began, basically these outside. So, so you mentioned that it's. I would tell you. I would tell you. I would tell you exactly how it was. Okay, uh, as you saw, uh, we have tourist agency down there, and uh, my parents started many decades before with the tourism. And uh, when I came back 1999, I didn't tell you exactly why I came back 1999. Because you left to London? Was that? No, I, I left Zagreb. Okay. I, I was in London just a few years, then I back to Zagreb. And uh, I came here because of two main reasons. First, because it's excellent to live here. Yeah. Uh, it's really pretty comfortable, better than big, any big city. Um, and second, uh, there was not a good tourist agency, and I had to uh, f uh, establish tourist agency who can be good. And we started with internet selling in 1999, oh, okay. m much before Booking.com. Of course, now it's not function because Booking.com, Airbnb are too strong and everything, but anyhow. And uh, yeah, and I had about 60 families who are renting. Uh, apartments through my agency and every September uh, we collect uh, we are sitting in the front of the office uh, drinking wine and comment uh, how was the tourist season or you always have jokes with some tourist or some strange situation we just comment how it was last season and September 2002 we was very worried because uh, we read in the newspaper that they want to export the Russian crude oil through the project Druzhba Adria. And uh, we had expertise around the table. One guy, he was a sailor, and he said, no, it is not problem of the disaster. Yeah, very important. By the way, in very this year was disaster of Tanker Prestige in France, in Spain, if you remember. Mm -hmm. They said, okay, it's dangerous to have something like Prestige, but it is accident. What is not accident is the ballast water. If you, they want to export 50 million tons of the crude oil, they need to dump in the Quarner Bay, who are close bay, 5 million tons of the ballast water. And that, that is exactly the problem. <clears throat> so we had expertise, and uh, it was six of us, as I told you. And uh, we had three option, options. One is to ignore the problem. Like the the monkeys in the Buddhism, I don't see good, I don't speak, uh, I don't see bad, I don't speak bad, I don't hear bad. Another option is to uh, go to live, for example, to Vancouver or New Zealand, because I'm software engineer and I can get a job anywhere. And third option was to uh, stay and fight. And uh, when they asked us why you're fighting, we didn't, what is your target? We had no target. We had obligation to try to defend this bay. If we're going to die, we're going to die. If we're going to win, we're going to win. You know, so uh, this uh, choosing between three, three options, run away, ignore, or fight, was exactly product of our mindset from the 70s and 80s. So this is the, the, the core, you know. And as I told you, this whole company, they asked the Sociological Institute to make research, and they said it is because of that. Okay. Uh -huh. And uh, we, uh, in transition, we have support about it. Yeah, parallel with that, as I told you, after 95, um, people start to think about future. And a um, group of engineers from petrochemical plant, they made Club Eureka. And they started to think about sustainability based on the conference in Rio. 
and they cooperate very close with UNESCO Center in Venice. They used to come all bu full bus of the students to, and, they, and they solve all the problems of the islands but just on the paper. It was a lot of, uh, it was time before PDF, they had a lot of nice project but not deployment. And it's very often you have thousands of projects without deployment, especially now with time of the EU projects. Yes. And uh, then we said, no, we're going to change it and uh, let's see what is the first problem of the island. It was waste management. And uh, we started as a community to think about waste management and uh, it was 2000. In 2002, we ordered a study from uh, professors uh, in some universities in Croatia. In 2004, study was uh, finished. We vote to give us money from the budget. And in uh, 2006, we started with waste uh, management. Now we are recycling 60% at home, and we're going to 80. Wow. We could go we could go even faster, but we are only 20,000 in the winter, and we know how to recycling. But we are 120,000 in the summer, and many tourists don't know how to recycle. Of course, Dutch tourists and Swedish tourists, they know. But tourists from uh, Ukraine or Poland or Slovakia, they don't recycle so much. And even uh, people who have weekend house from Slovenia, Ljubljana, they know how to recycle. And people from Zagreb don't know yet. So um, we have many ecological projects. Um, we're starting with uh, physical planning. We're starting with food production, with water management, with waste management. And a lot, a lot, a lot of project. And what is your target is energy transition. And if you don't have any sub-questions, we can now go to start with energy transition. Uh, yeah, we can move on to the... I just want to say that was really interesting background information, though, about how... Even, I had even, to give you a framework. No, no, exactly. But but I think it's really interesting to reflect on that uh, through this tourist agency that you developed and then the network that you had yes. of other residents that then that could be a movement itself. Yes, we had totally mm -hmm. grassroots movement. Yeah, and then, okay, so then well, now we can jump to the energy the topic. And just just, yes. uh, just uh -huh. to, to finish about it, uh, one of biggest enemy of us was ex-Croatian president message. He was big support of this project Družba Adria. He lied uh, f for the Croatian journalist about numbers just to push the project, okay? And uh, they didn't uh, like to uh, confirm that we are grass movement. They said that we are paid uh, with Italian uh, uh, ship owners that to stop project here, because if we stop project here, the project will go to Trieste. Oh, what was oh. totally lie because the Trieste don't have deep of the harbor for the big tankers. In Omichel, there is 32 meters right on shore. Okay, and the point is that um, um, he, I, they told, you know, Croatian president told to the Croatian journalist that I am paid every month 2,000 Deutschmark from Trieste just to stop kill the project in Croatia that project will happen in Trieste. And he knew that that's a lie, and he knew that this is impossible. So it was very big conflict with Croatian president, we can come back on that. Okay. So it is very interesting how they want to blame on you. But I just want to say, in the end, you've saved Croatia a lot of money because Russian oil is not so good anymore. 
<laughs> no, we saved it. And uh, yeah, if you go to energy, I, I lost five years of my life fighting with the oil. I lost uh, five years of my life fighting with the gas. And I lost five years of my life fighting with the coal. Because uh, now we're coming to 2009. Mm-hmm. And Croatia started to make new energy. 2008, sorry. Started to discuss about new energy strategy. And we found that this energy strategy is basically just, uh, how to say, uh, they wanted to remove the stopping of the building new power plant based on the coal, which was made by the Croatian uh, parliament. And Croatia don't have coal. We don't have lignite like Bosnia or Serbia, or we don't have good quality coal like Poland. They wanted to import that from Colombia. And they wanted to make two facilities, 600 megawatts right on shore. One here in Plomit, one on south in Ploče, close to Dubrovnik. So we was fighting with Greenpeace. I will show you everything on the internet later. And um, the point is that uh, it's really uh, last 20 years of my life is fighting with the fossil fuel. And uh, what is important in any campaign uh, we always uh, have alternative option. Um, in many cases, I came to campaign in the Southeast Europe and I asked people, local grass movement, um, okay, what's going on? And they said, they said, we are against the project. And said, okay, but what do you offer? What is your option? Eh? I said, no, no, we are against the project. I said, no, no, you must have an alternative. And uh, because we was fighting against the coal, in this time and oil it was before gas revolution um, we had to find something and as I told you I was dreaming about photovoltaics from the 80s and uh, I started to make communication with people from photovoltaics uh, industry and uh, it was companies like First American Solar, there was on Frankfurt, on Oder in Germany, and uh, thing. we made a solar cluster of Croatia 2009, and we started to work with uh, solarization. And this process was brutally stopped in the 2012, when the new Croatian government, social democrat government came, and they said, no, 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 we're going to develop coal, and uh, so, uh, photovoltaics is stupid, and uh, we lost about 10 years. Uh, how we lost? Uh, they had no feed-in tariff from 2012. And if you wanted to make even small photovoltaics, you had to have 66 paper. Now it's only free. Wow. And um, so only after we killed uh, big power plant based on coal projects, we had chance to uh, grow up with photovoltaics. That's that's point. Yes, and uh, then they cut the number of the of the projects to three, and uh, yeah, that is uh, that was uh, beginning. And uh, now I think to uh, explain you what I mean with we. Uh, when I said we, I mean local community. Mm-hmm. For example, let's face with the waste management. When we started waste management two thousand six, I didn't tell you that that project was against the state strategy. Mm-hmm. The state strategy was an incinerator, that all waste will be picked oh, up in yeah. Croatia, taken to Zagreb to be an incinerator. And we said, no, we don't like. 
They said you are stupid because you separate paper from the communal waste because it will be uh, not so good burning in the incinerator in Zagreb. And now then Europe changed the regulation and now we are uh, modern. Um, and this project was supported uh, by the NGOs, of course, uh, by academia. They made a project for us with the business sector, um, but also with the church. Because Bishop said to the people, uh, to priests, that they obligate three times per year on the Holy Mass to speak about recycling. Because guys who are, who are not religious, it's a question of ethics. And if you are religious, it's a question of theology. Because if you save nature, you save the creation of God. It's from Genesis. Yes. So um, we are doing all this project as a society. And when we had to pay this our new modern system, 2005, about recycling, um, I was counselor, uh, independent counselor in the municipality of Omishal, and uh, more than 100 counselors vote that we give 5 million euro of our budget to establish the waste management system who was opposite of uh, state strategy. And only one guy in Bashka he didn't know what to what to vote. He was uh, neutral, but all these decisions uh, are basically made on the city councils. And same with energy. When we saw 2009 that uh, Croatia is going to be depend on coal, we said no, we don't like it. We would like to go renewable. And this time we cooperate with the German Foundation GetZ. It's now GIS. Mm -hmm and uh, we work in integral cost management and when croatia become part of eu they stop to financing the things because uh, we are now europe and they now the financing project in bosnia serbia and so and they said okay we still have some money what do you want to get and this, we said we would like to have energy study for the island and German geese uh, paid us uh, in uh, this study in uh, 2012. This study showed us how to become energy neutral. Uh, and uh, we vote for that on the city council. And finally, in 2012, all city councils, all seven on the island, uh, made a decision that we become energy neutral and climate neutral 2030. Mm -hmm. So, decision which was made in Brussels 2020, we made on Kirk 2012, a deadline for the Europe is 2050, for us is 2030. And now we are working on deployment of this project. We established Energy Cooperative uh, Island Kirk 2012 as the first in Croatia, and we established company Island Kirk Energy 2019 to make deployment of that. And now we are fighting with stupid government uh, to make energy community. This is another story where we cooperate with Friedrich Heber Stiftung. The point is that we used to say we will do everything uh, good and sustainable. We can organize ourselves, we can finance the project, we can make optimization of the projects. In Croatia we have lack of optimization of the processes. Uh, we just don't like that Zagreb make a stupid law and by law, sub-law act, to stop us. And that's what exactly Zagreb is doing. Zagreb is even good directives like Red 2 are transforming the bullshit. 
What, what's wrong with the energy community or having an energy community here? Yeah, okay. So, um, you know about Red 2 Directive. Uh, maybe you can explain it a bit more. Uh, renewable mm -hmm. Energy Directive to European Commission, okay? And they allowed and they push uh, communities to have energy communities. Mm -hmm. And the point is citizen energy, sharing the energy and everything was going on. And uh, Croatia made the transposition of these laws, uh, of this directive to Croatian laws last December. And there is at least three very stupid things. First, uh, it must be one municipality, one energy community. That means on the, on the island, instead of one energy community, we should have seven. <laughs> but even worse, they said uh, one low-voltage trafo station, one energy community. That means on the island, we should have 300 energy communities. Wow. And uh, Is last but not least, mm -hmm. in directive, a non-profit organization is only one of the options of the organization who can be an aggregator. In Croatian law, it can be only non-profit organization. So we can't uh, make accumulation of the profit to invest in the new megawatts. Uh huh. Is it, this is all just to prevent energy communities? Yeah, from being they formed. made it uh, because it's interest mm. of the as first big companies, and second interest of the stupid uh, uh, low capacity creation bureaucracy who don't now need to deal with the papers about energy communities. And last but not least, the most crucial question is question of smart grids. Because mm -hmm. without smart grid, you can have energy communities and blockchain and everything. And we are ready to have it, but we are not allowed. We, we are blocked at one year by the law. And we have permanent discussion with the people from Brussels about it. Now we would like that uh, Brussels people push uh, Croatian people, uh, government to fix it. But what's, so, what's advantageous about having an energy community on an island? Very simple. You have, for example, a school with the photovoltaics on the roof. School is closed in the summer, and they can give all production to the hotels. Hotels are mostly closed in the winter. They can give them back in the in the winter. Or if you have some machines, if you produce something from Monday to Friday, you can get energy from the over the weekend houses. And over the weekend, if you don't produce, you give them energy back. And after some uh, time of the krilling period, it can be a week, month, uh, or year, um, you said, okay, I, uh, I must pay you for the 20 kilowatt hours. You're not going to buy uh, energy from the big companies. You are not going to sell energy for the big companies. I am selling my energy for the only 60 mega, only 60 euro for the megawatt hour. The point is that uh, we are sharing in the community. It's uh, it's uh, same with any kind of localization against globalization. If we are sharing food, we are destroying uh, companies like Lidl or Kaufland or something like this. Uh -huh. So it's, it's it's a way for the the point for, the mm -hmm. point of the energy transition is I've been told so much so in Brussels. First, decarbonization. Second is decentralization. Many millions of consumers. Third things is uh, digitalization, that means smart grid. And last but not least, 4, 4D is democratization. Mm -hmm. And I, I always make parallel what happened in the IT sector from the 80s. In the 80s, we had big IBM computers, Univac, ICL, and now only the, all these companies had gone, only IBM stayed. 
and now we have PCs. So same things will happen in energy. We, do, we will not have big companies like Aon, RWE and like this. We are going to have uh, thousands of small energy companies on the local level who will maintain us very strong, robust uh, local, local energy networks. Mm -hmm. But what about this energy democracy, though? I mean, how does that... Maybe you could expand on your perception of energy democracy, or just yeah. democracy and no, 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 no. Very, I, I can, I can, I will show you later <coughs> on the screen and in the facilities. Down there, we have six point eight kilowatts of the photovoltaics, and in the basement, we have seven point five kilowatt hours of batteries. Now we have heat pump from yesterday, and we have charger for electric car. Energy democracy means that my house is producing. Uh, more energy than we need, and I can share it with my neighbors, or I can give it for the poor, poor people. Oh, you can give it, give it away. Uh, no, I mean, I will come. No, to no but but uh, isn't that a threat? I'm making a joke. I will come to. I will yeah. come to that in a few minutes. Mm -hmm. um, that's mean that uh, I'm independent man. I'm free man. If I can woke up in the morning and have my own energy, I am free man. If I uh, demand uh, have from the state to give me energy, I am not free man. Same with the water and food. Okay? Mm -hmm. And if we on the island have our own energy, we're independent. And we're not going to uh, pay many millions euro to the Arab people for the oil, Russian people for the gas, and the Bosnian and Serbian people from electricity from lignite. We're going to produce it here. So this is democracy for me. Mm -hmm. um, uh, democracy or democratia in the old Greek in Athens started when they had enough their own production. They wasn't depend about other things. Okay. okay. Uh, just uh, something about technology. So now we have consumption of the about 112 gigawatt hours on the island per year. We had 120, but petrochemical plant they made bankrupt. And um, we need about maybe 100 megawatts of renewable in the mix of the 60 megawatts of the photovoltaics, 30 megawatts of the wind, and 10 megawatts of the biogas. And then we can produce up to 150 gigawatt hours maybe. And we need more because now first we will have le less consumption. Uh, we will have less because we are going to have energy-saving devices. But then when we switch with the vehicles to the e-mobility, the consumption of the island will grow up immediately and very high. And that's the reason why we need to calculate more. Uh, by the way, 52% of the present uh, pollution are coming from transport. And wow. that is not only cars, it is also boats and ferry boats. Okay, uh, will there be like electric boat, electrification yeah, or transportation yeah, like in overall? Yeah, electric uh, 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 ferry boats. Okay, okay. Even the charger in the harbor, you can see it later, uh -huh. down there, they're not only for uh, cars, they are for cars and boats. Mm -hmm. What do you say to people that they say, well, there needs to be base load generation? Excuse me? What, what do you say about the argument that there needs to be baseload generation, and so that's why there needs to be a nuclear power plant or a coal-fired um, power plant? We, as I told you, we cooperate mm -hmm. very close with academic uh, people from academia, and um, I've been told that if we change paradigma, and uh, present paradigma is that production are following consumption. 
Another will be that uh, consumption following production. Very simple, today there is no sun, we are not washing the clothes. We are waiting for the sun one day and then we're going to wash the clothes. When it... So, if uh, I, I saw mathematical models, uh, people in University Zagreb, they are using uh, Danish mathematical models and they proved very good for me, they made even PhD on that, that if we have a lot of renewables, a lot of batteries, we can have, uh, uh, we have no problem with the baseload energy because we are going to produce energy we're going to storage that to batteries at home and at the cars, and we're going to grow up consumption when we have production. Mm -hmm. um, my heat pump um, behind the house, they are smart grid ready. And when the cloud comes, they will fall down in eco mode. Okay, okay. And uh, what I wanted to go back to the, um, the role that democracy plays in the energy yes. system. And maybe you could expand a bit more on that, and how does that feed into this inability to start a proper energy community here in Kirk? Uh -huh. um, let, let's speak generally about mm -hmm. individual. If I produce my food, if I pick up my water from, from rain, and if I produce my energy from the sun, I am free man. Okay? Mm -hmm. And if we are a community where we share energy, or even give energy uh, and food to the people who are poor, we are healthy society. So this is the the ground rules, okay? Yes. And uh, in the way of energy communities, if I need now to uh, all my extras sell to the big energy company, and if I in, when I have lack of energy when it's rain or in the night to buy it from electric company, I'm not free man. If uh, I can, uh, for example. Today, uh, I will miss maybe 5 to 10 kilowatt hours because it's cloudy day. If we can house owner around me are giving that energy to me and I can give them back in the summer when I have 10 kilowatt hours more, then we are solving our problem locally. We don't have need to have uh, interference with the big nuclear power plants or anything with the state. So that is local democracy. So question of uh, energy democracy is basically twin of the question of the energy democracy. Yes, and it ties together. Yes. Do, you, do you think, uh, because it seems like with Croatia, with the islands, that these energy communities could be really beneficial for the countries, for the sure. energy security, for um, not needing to produce or build It's large good for everybody except for the big energy national company, HEP. Okay. Yes, that's where I was Very going. Very simple. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It is uh, so logical because we have another moment. We have the biggest production in the time of the biggest consumption this summer, when on the island is six times more people than in the winter. And uh, we have production on the place of the consumption. Tourists who are, who are in the apartment above me, they are, have consumption of energy who are produced here in the same yard. Okay. The same roof, under uh, the same roof. Mm -hmm. So we're making a relax relaxation of the energy network. Okay, e and even from uh, air, air conditioning, right? I mean, for the especially for the air conditioning. air conditioning. Yeah, because it gets hot, uh, forty degrees. Yeah, there. Yeah, it's not all the time uh, forty, but uh, even it, if it's wet, if it's rain, they're using to, because humidity. We are using air okay. condition. Uh -huh. 
and especially it will be a question of the electric cars. When mm -hmm. tourists will start more coming with electric cars, they will need charging. Right. So rather than building up the, I would say what the grid to the mainland or uh, improving that, you could improve. No, the grid. we must have grid to yes. the mainland, but not as mm -hmm. a kernel, as a core of energy system. The core of the en new energy system will be prosumers, who will make who will make the most of their production um, in their own yard. Okay. And and then this balance over the year between the different types of consumers. Yeah, I mean uh, the consuming in the winter is much lower than summer, so it's uh, okay. basically following the, the the sun energy. Yeah, no, just walking around this village, I, I see that there's it's empty. <laughs> there's not so no, many people the, here. No, people uh -huh. are. It's not empty. We have around uh, one thousand one hundred people. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, uh -huh. but they are working or they're in yes. the house. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, today is a little bit not so nice weather. Yes. Uh, so if you make activities, you can find people. Okay. And in the if, summer, how many people are here? Uh, it's up to six, six to 8,000 because we have hotels and camp. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So people are not on the road now, but uh, they are most of them, they're working or preparing for the holidays and things like this. Okay. Excellent, excellent. Yeah. Um, maybe a few more questions then. So, so the big effort began with the recycling, and mm -hmm. then it moved on to this energy, the solar PV. Mm -hmm. Are there other sources of energy that you're looking at to build? Um, it's, uh, first about project, it's not only these two projects. We have more than 10 projects. We also think about sustainable use of the protecting part of the nature. We work on the transport and uh, sewage system so we are doing uh, by the book all whole uh, set of the project based on sustainability but as i told you we are not doing energy transition as a, a set of the incident as a, a set of the one spot project we have our general program to make 100 megawatts and it will take 10 years. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Or in total it will take 20 years or 15, doesn't matter. So now we are building about uh, 200 houses per year. 200 houses per year on the island? With, yeah, with, yeah. Uh, with uh, renewables. Okay. And uh, some of these telephone calls, what I said I'm going to call you back later, Yes. is people who would like to have or they applied for the environment fund for subsidies this year okay okay so we have communication with the people and we have two companies on the island who are making exactly the who are making the photovoltaics and uh, we transfer workers even from shipyard to work with renewables so we are developing the local economy and we are buying a photovoltaics panel from the last creation factory we had three factories now we have only one mm -hmm. so we are doing that as a pl in planning program okay so so the impact that kirk is having by having this uh, let's say renewable energy strategy is much broader than just what happens on the island here for the croatian economy we are trying to share it with another with another uh, communities in croatia we was in Varaždin with Friedrich Heber Stiftung, but Sonia will tell you m much more about it. Mm -hmm. It's definitely, we are sharing that not only in Croatia, I was teaching last week in, in Sarajevo, in Bosnia. 
Okay. About very same things. Mm-hmm. So, so Kirk could be used as an example. Lighthouse. A lighthouse. Yeah, we are lighthouse uh-huh. for it. Okay. And then maybe overall, maybe we can start wrapping this up. My my uh, one of my final questions is about the role of the EU. Um, they are they are giving us directives uh, who can help us when Croatian government are doing something stupid. That they are doing stupid all the time. Um, to tell them, no, 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 you are bad guys, we're going to call our friends in Brussels, then they will uh, make you some education tools. But does it work? <laughs> uh, we are trying. It's, ta- okay. it's, it's starting to work. Okay. but It really happened uh, this week, some, some activities. Okay. I can show you later. But as you outlined at the beginning, you've been at this for, for decades. Yeah. So you can see how things are progressing. Well, um, Let's say that we made decision 10 years before Brussels and our target is 20 years before Brussels. So it's very simple. We are trying to do the best what we can. But I think that uh, I'm a little bit pessimistic. I th- uh, when you're in grief movement, you, you can always see that people are after many years coming to your position. But it's usually too late. Mm-hmm. And our civilization have at least four big threats. First is climate change, and I think that uh, mine which can destroy it uh, is permafrost. Uh, second is microplastic. Uh, third is pandemia, some kind of the new virus. And last but not least, we still have problem with artificial intelligence. And I, I didn't touch economy, inflation, and things like this. You know, I think uh, we are really uh, have very high probability to finish in some kind of the Mad Max world. Yes. And then we can be some kind of the fortress with uh, civilization, with the barbarians who will run away uh, on the horses uh, when they have no petrol for the motorcycles. Is this why you stay on the island? No, it is because I like to be here, but definitely it's a good place to defense. Yes. Okay. Thank you. I will we'll end the interview. Okay. Thank you for joining us for this episode. We produce the My Energy 2050 podcast to learn about cutting-edge research and the people building our clean energy system. If you enjoyed this episode or any episode, please share it. And remember, each episode is equivalent to consuming 10 journal articles, one book, and 500 charts on how to implement the energy transition. And you get it all in less, usually, than 60 minutes for each podcast. Guarantee. And I can actually say no other podcast makes this guarantee. The more we spread our message of the ease of an energy transition, the faster we can make the transition. You can follow us on LinkedIn, where we are most active on the My Energy 2050 page or on Twitter and Facebook. I'm your host, Michael LaBelle. Thank you for listening to this week's episode.